Discipline and resilience, work ethic and attitude, meeting new people, having new experiences. These are just some things that will help shape not only the life you want to live, but the career path you continue to go down. Do you wake up in the morning excited to go to work? If not, why? Do you have an answer? There's no reason to be living a life that doesn't suit you or make you happy. The first thing to realize is that things don't work out unless you make them. You are the person in charge of your life. Be willing to take risks. Learn to get into the habit of doing hard things that need to be done to change your path to get to where you want to go in life and in your career. Lee Cockrell joins Scott today to be able to talk about experiencing career magic. We shared a conversation that Scott had with Lee two weeks ago, and today he's coming back. If you didn't get to listen to the last one, I definitely would recommend that. Lee was the executive vice president of operations for the Walt Disney World Resorts. As he did that, he oversaw 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, and a lot more. He also helped be able to get Walt Disney Paris um, off the ground back in the day. And so he has a lot of different things. He's been speaking and writing on leadership, and he even wrote a book called Career Magic. And that's what we're going to be looking at today as Scott gets into this conversation with Lee. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and, about and then go today. get it. If you're ready enough, to make a change, Lee, keep listening. Cockerel, welcome to Happen to Your Career. Welcome back to Happen to Your Career. Yeah, good to be back with you, Scott. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I- I'm I'm excited for uh, round two of conversation, but you've got such a great story and such an interesting take on, on careers in general that I find both incredibly simple and i mean that in the in the best possible way and very refreshing because uh, a lot of times people don't go for simple and i think it's well refreshing is the right word so i really wanted to be able to delve a little bit more into into some of your story and then at the same time talk about some of the things that uh, we're going to find in the book very good i'm simple because i am not too smart so i have to go simple (laughs) you and me both lee you and me both (laughs) Well, hey, we we got to we got to spend a bunch of a bunch of time chatting last time around about really diving into into some of where you began because you you've spent geez is it is it really more than forty years working around hospitality in that that industry? Um, yeah, I got out of the army in nineteen sixty five, and I started with Hilton that in that March and. That's quite a long time ago. <laughs> that is quite a long time ago, as it turns out. So there's been a, a lesson or, or three learned along the way. And yeah. I, I'm most interested in um, in really how some, actually even how you made some of your decisions, because you made a couple of career changes in there. And that's where I'd love to start. And you've got a couple of stories that we, we didn't even get to fully dive into last time yeah. around. And I, yeah. I got to hear, I got the pleasure of hearing when, uh, when I got to meet you in person last Oh my goodness. It has been over a year ago. Wow. Yeah. So you, you started with, uh, with, with Hilton, but what, what really prompted that first, first career change? 
Uh, I ended up, I'd had a great career with Hilton, and I was in uh, Washington at that big Hilton there where Reagan, where John Hinckley got shot, Arnold Reagan, a big convention hotel. Then I got transferred to Chicago, the Conrad Hilton, then to the Waldorf Story in New York, and then I was in Los Angeles. I was having a great career, but in L.A., I ran into a boss that uh, I thought he was unreasonable. He was one of these screamers. He won I worked six days a week, and I wasn't happy, and so I found another job, and I quit. And uh, took a job in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at a hotel, double my salary, and I got fired after 30, 60 days, about oh, after 90 days. place went bankrupt. My wife had warned me, but I didn't listen to her. I do now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so then I didn't have a job. No job, two-year-old Volkswagen bug, and went off looking for a job. And so that was my career was up, and then all of a sudden it was back to ground zero. I didn't realize it was such a short period of time in between. So you, you went and got that new job, promptly ignored your wife, and then, <laughs> and then it was only ninety days later when uh, when they they made the decision. Then, yeah, absolutely. I I said I went in to see the general manager at five o'clock, and at five o two I was unemployed. <laughs> and uh, but it turned out to be a good thing. That's why I write about that in my new book, uh, Career Management, because that got me to Marriott. And so, you know, I tell people, don't get too upset about the little bumps in your life. They may get you to a far better place and probably will. Yeah. So, so let me ask you about that then, because that's something that a lot of our listeners have experienced. First of all, um, what you started with, with, you know, they get into a, a role and they're having a fantastic time. You know, maybe it's even a great company, everything else. And then they get a new boss or something else external happens. The company gets acquired or something else. Um, what, what are your thoughts, first of all, on your ability to influence those types of situations versus when it's time to cut and run, if you will? Yeah, I think if you get the wrong boss and – you know, and I let it go for a year. I mean, I didn't jump out right away. It was, uh, I was trying to be reasonable about it. I mean, it wasn't killing me, but I was working all the time, never home. And, and I didn't feel like I was appreciated. I think if you don't feel valued and that people really have a, hold you in esteem, uh, that's the time you start thinking about leaving. I, you can either hold out and hope your boss leaves or something happens to him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, or you go looking for something else. And uh, I, I'm not very happy when people don't appreciate me. And so I moved on, and it happened again at Marriott. I got passed over for a big promotion because I'd been too aggressive in my career probably. I was a vice president by then, and I moved on to Disney eventually. And uh, all three of those moves were big, moved to Paris, you know, big chances. I'm kind of wired for risk. I mean, I don't mind taking a risk. And my wife supports that. She's, I said, we can go to Paris. She said, absolutely, let's go. <laughs> so uh, I could have got over there and got unemployed. But, you know, that's where the fun is, out on the edge. If you just stay in your little town and you never do anything and you don't meet new people and you don't have new experiences, you're probably going to have a good life, but you're not going to have a great life. And the uh, difference between good and great is pretty big. Hard to explain what it is, in fact. Okay, well let's yeah. let's try because I'm uh, I'm I'm super curious about that. Plus, at the same time, a whole bunch of our listeners that is that is part of what they're trying to figure out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push you on that a little bit if that's okay. 
Sure. I mean, here's how I think about it. To be great, it's harder. To be good, it's kind of easy. And, you know, I think Jim Collins wrote that the enemy of great is good. I got a good life. Why take a chance? I got it. You know, we pay the mortgage. I got the car. The kids are in school. That's good. Well, that's a good life. But when you you have to experience, I always ask people, do you want to have good kids or great kids? Mm. It's harder to raise great kids. You got to be spend time with them. You got to be coaching them. You got to be disciplining them. You got to make sure they're on top of things. You got to be checking them out all the time, uh, making them feel loved, feel secure, believe in themselves. It's hard. Uh, you want to have uh, good health or great health? You know, it's good. It's easy to have good health, but to have great health, you got to work out. You got to get your physicals. You've got to do some strength training. You've got to. The difference between feeling good and great when you wake up in the morning is pretty amazing. Or do you want to have a good marriage or a great marriage? You got to let it go a lot. You got to let things go and not, you know, try to get in an argument over something and be defensive. And, and you just got to learn that there's some pain and then you can't always be right. And I think in every, oh, and then maybe the best one, you're going to go get yeah. Oh, surgery. Do you want to have a good surgeon or a great one? <laughs> the good one, will, good one will kill you. The great one will save your life. And uh, so to me, I'm willing to take the risk and put in the hard work to have this payoff at the end because I don't want to go through life. Uh, I saw something the other day that says you only have one life, but if you use it right, one's enough. And uh and another quote I heard the other day, which really makes a lot of sense, you're only one decision away from a whole different life. And uh, a lot of people won't make that decision. And mm -hmm. then they end up, uh, you know, it's too bad to get old and be have regrets. I wish I'd have taken that move. I wish I'd have quit. I wish I'd have spent more time with my children. I wish that I'd taken care of my health. You know, you know the story. And uh, so I really wake up every morning thinking about, I don't want to be good, <laughs> you know. But it's hard and it's stressful to be great. And uh, but once you get there, it's uh, it's uh, a, a place where there's not a lot of people hanging out. By the way, that's that is interesting. And I'm curious, Lee, what what took place that really caused you to come to this? You know, was there a point in time or was it a really a progression through your life? Because, you know, I just heard you say, hey, I wake up every morning and I am, I've, you know, I made the decision or I'm determined to, to be great, have a great day, have a great life, et cetera. But what, uh, what caused you to get there? What caused you to have that realization? Well, I grew up in a family that was very dysfunctional. My mother, I, you may have heard this story before that uh, we lived on a poor farm in Oklahoma, no indoor plumbing. My mother was married five times. I was adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16, when she married number four. And um, I wasn't a very good student. Parents didn't pay attention to it back in those days. So I went off to college because this guy had money. I flunked out because I didn't go to class. I didn't have the self-discipline. Went in the Army. And uh, so I had this drive to work ethic. I think I had work ethic because you grow up on a farm. You live in Oklahoma. You work. You work when you're young. You work. You have summer jobs. You work in the heat. You do. It's just typical. Everybody works. And uh, I think enough parents don't do that today. They're not preparing their kids for the tough workforce. Mommy's not going to be there when you get to work late in the morning. Your boss fires you. <laughs> so <laughs> I take that work ethic and attitude. I had a grandmother who really – my mother taught me a lot about discipline and doing what you say you're going to do and keeping your promises. And my grandmother really taught me empathy. She always was just great with everybody, always had time for everyone. She went to the hospital and helped the old folks. She did. She was an incredible woman, and I learned from her. 
empathy. And I think discipline and empathy are those two things that can drive you because if you don't have a great attitude, you know, can do, I can do this, and and resilience. I had resilience because when you grow up working all the time, you're very resilient. You know hard work's hard, but you get it done, you get paid for it, you feel good about that. And we got to teach kids resilience. And they kind of go off today, you know, they mother buys them an iPhone and an iPad and they don't have to work and they have the gorgeous room and TV in their room. And next thing you know, they graduate from a big college and they're really smart and they get to the workplace and can't handle it because it's tough. Your boss doesn't want to hear about it. They want to know what you can do, not what you know. And you've got to have the discipline to be able to get things done, be organized, planning. And you also got to be a good leader. So you got to have some empathy to understand how other people are reacting to you and how you're affecting them. And so I think I got all of that probably from my, you know, even though my childhood was pretty screwed up with my mother getting married all the time. Yeah. My, my grandmother was not far away and I'd go to her and she really uh, built up my self-confidence. She told me every day I could do whatever I wanted and I could and blah, blah, blah. You know, so... I didn't want to repeat that. My, I grew up in Oklahoma in the 50s and 40s and 50s, and people were pretty bigoted there. And they, you know, they would, what the things they said about African Americans in our family and American Indians and Jewish people and gay people was embarrassing. My uncles, you can imagine. And uh, my, my wife and I decided that when we were about to have our son, that he would never hear those things in our house. And I tell people, we changed it right there. We've been married 48 years. My mother's married five times. My brother's been married four times. And my grandmother was divorced. Uh, my my wife and I are setting new records. I'm trying to get the family average down in the marriages. And uh, my son's been married for 23 years, and I broke it right there. I broke it because we stepped up and we took care of it. And I got a son that doesn't have a discriminatory bone in his body, and, and then he married a French woman, and I had to quit telling French jokes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and now I've got grandkids. They don't care if you're gay, black, Indian. They could care less. They don't care. They look at the person. They have friends. And uh, none of that stuff bothers them. They could care less. They really have a respect for everybody. And that's because they've traveled. Uh, they grew up in a family where there was they didn't hear these inappropriate comments about other people. And, uh, you know, you, you become like the environment you grow, in, grow up in if you're not careful. You'll adapt. You know, it's like the politics right now. They say people really don't understand the policies. What they do, they're Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal based on how they grew up and the town they grew up in and the family they grew up in. That does seem to be the case very much. Well, so. it is. That's why some parts of the country, country are blue and some are red. And it's not about most people have no idea about the issues. None. They couldn't explain one thing to you about the issues, about the policies, about so. But we become like the environment we grow up in. So we want to change that environment. And I tried to change that environment at work, too, to make sure everybody, everybody matters. And I want everybody to think they matter and I want them to know they matter. And I want our leaders to make sure they know they matter. So and let me you, let me ask you yeah. about that then, because um, yeah. I think that that's really important because I just heard you outlay so much about why environment matters and what's surrounding you matters. And, you know, that's certainly been the case with your kids and certainly something that you've been able to do over the years for people that you have worked with, uh, your direct reports, you know, creating the culture, et cetera. But how can I do that for myself? Because that's what a lot of our listeners are, are wondering. Um, say they're not in the greatest environment and they've had the realization that, hey, look, I need to I need to change this, whether it be you know surrounding myself with a different type of people or uh, surrounding myself with some different tolerances or whatever it happens to be for them. So how can I do that within my career? 
Well, I tell you, you know, everybody ought to step back and think about their deepest beliefs. And remember that if you're not going to be bigoted and you're going to change the way you think, you're going to have to forget about half of what you learned when you were growing up in your house. Because that's where most of it came from. And uh, I got out. People said, why were you successfully? I said, I got out of Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I saw the world. And I worked with African-Americans, Hispanics, gay people, Jewish people, Muslims. They were all good friends of mine, still are today. I don't judge people by a group. I judge them by individuals. There's a lot, you know, people say, well, I could say, yeah, I don't care. I don't have any problem with African-Americans, but I have a problem with some of them. <laughs> and I don't have any problem with Caucasians, but I have a problem with some of them. <laughs> and, uh, and I treat people as individuals. <laughs> and you've got to rethink, uh, you know, this is absurd, this bigotry and hate that's going on. It's just absurd. It doesn't even make any sense. And most of the people don't like gay people or they don't like Muslims or they don't like Jewish. They don't even know one. <laughs> they don't even know one. And, uh, you know, until you're exposed, you just can't. You know, reading about something and experiencing are two different things. You're, you know, you could read your kids' books every night about Paris. You're going to change their life by going there. Yeah, and we were you're, just a little bit of context. We were talking about uh, right before I was asking Lee advice for where to go in Paris because we're taking our our kids and our family over there for about six weeks. And and you you regularly spend uh, uh, sounds like a, a while in France every single year or two or not? Yeah, we yeah. spend we spend a month there just about every year because uh, grand, get take the grandkids back to see their grandparents in France and go to camp and get to see their cousins and and, and now all my grandkids speak fluent French. They're very comfortable. They're making straight A's in French in school, at least. <laughs> I don't know about math, but they are. <laughs> but it's just, they just see the world totally different. My grandson, he had a, a appendectomy uh, in June on a Wednesday. His stomach started hurting. They took him in. They did surgery on him, and 24 hours later, he flew to France by himself. Wow. 24 hours later? Yeah. And five days later, he was in the pool. You know, and most people lay around and complain, but that's that's teaching kids to be tougher until you can do it. And he has self-confidence. He's traveled by himself before, and we let him do that. We don't uh, wring our hands and worry about everything. You can't worry about everything. And uh, so resilience, again, these kids are learning resilience, what you need in college when this work is hard and you got to stay up all night and you got to study all week and you'll you got to – got to learn these things and that's what you do when you take your kids traveling you know they're going to want to know what's on their plate and what's this and they won't run into somebody and how to use the subway the first time and how to do and you come home saying wow now i know how to do this before you went you were insecure and when you get back you'll be very secure and that's how life works i said always do the hard things and then life gets easier so um, once you learn how to you know every time we go to something we don't know what we're doing how bad we feel until we until we do know what we're doing exactly and you got to step into it you can't just hope it comes to your brain overnight it's not going to you got to go experience things and then you know, and nobody can take that away from you, ever. See, this is why I like talking to you, Lee, because uh, you know, I, I, ask, uh, I ask what I think is a hard question, and I get such a simple answer. You know, how, how, do you, how do you expose yourself to other stuff? Well, stop reading the dang books and go start exposing yourself to it. <laughs> well, it's even go in your start hometown. You know, yeah. Take your kids down to the shelter and let them help serve meals. Let them, my, grand, my son does that with his kids, and... You know, they spend experiences on Saturday and going to a museum they don't want to go to. But then they come out and say, wow, I learned something. You know, you got to 
force people. You got to do things on purpose in life because it's educational for you and for your children. And, uh, you know, you go to a museum, you might see a painting that gives you the best idea in the world for your business. And uh, exposure. It's just about exposure. That's why I do these uh, podcasts, exposure. I meet people. I talk to people. I hear from people all over the world. Uh, you know, I'm going to Venice, Italy and, and in um, November to speak to the U.S. Army garrison. They invited me. My book, Creating Magic, is now required reading by the officers. Is it and, really? Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and at Fort Bragg, I just came back from speaking to the Joint Special Operations Command. These guys that go off in the night and do tough stuff. And they're, they're my book's they have to read that there. And I was at Patrick Air Force Base. And, uh, uh, you know, I went to Baghdad in 2011 and did 13 seminars during the war. And uh, you know, just th that exposure, man, it's unbelievable. You know, you can never think again after you do those things. You can never think the way you did. And uh, I just can't tell you. I think experience is probably better than anything. And uh, especially when you're going to meet new people from different countries and different foods and, uh, you know, take your kids to Asia one day when they see the food, they might run away from home. But, <laughs> you know, in Japan, when their breakfast is green and blue. <laughs> so but those are those are things that just they mature and they uh, they uh, they get rid of the bigotry and they they feel better. They'll make friends that are un, un, totally unlike them. And uh and they will even in France. You go to a park, you're going to meet the other kids, and they'll be playing soccer together and playing and having fun. Kids, you know, can get – if we were as resilient as children are, we'd be a lot better off. Kids adjust immediately. They don't wait to somebody. They go up and say, hi, you want to do this? Adults, they sit in the house and wonder if anybody's ever going to call them. And uh, <laughs> kids are resilient. And uh, those are the more experiences they get and the more exposure they get to things that are not normal. You know, culture in your family is just as important as culture in the workplace. And I can tell you, culture is not part of the game. It is the game. You get the culture right. There's, it's unlimited what can happen when your kids feel secure and educated and developed and exposed. Man, it, you'll see kids, you, they'll be struck by something and it could start a new career for them when they go to college. It happened to my grandson. He spent two days at Walter Reed Hospital with the troops coming in with lost limbs. And today he's studying biomedical engineering. He did that when he was 16, and it struck him deeply. Oh, wow. That one experience. So you never know. Here's what I'm taking away from all of that, because I get, uh, you know, just for the type of work that I do, I get constant emails and questions and all kinds of things from people about, hey, how do I... Uh, here's a common one, <laughs> you know, how do I, how do I find what I'm passionate about? Uh, or how do I identify, you know, those things that, uh, that I'm great at or how do I, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm taking away from everything that you just said is it really does come back to some measure of exposure and oh, it really does come back to some measure of intentionally exposing yourself to other new things, even and maybe even especially when it's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of services where you can be tested for what you might like to do in life and your career. But <clears throat> I think uh, for me, I tell people, if you're in a job and you don't get excited when you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to get to work, start looking for another job while you continue to do a good job. Because you're gonna be, if you're going to be miserable for 40 years, that's the worst thing you can do for your family, your health, uh, the people you work with. Yeah, what a shame. And I think about 80% of the people don't like their job. They don't like what they're doing. I'm telling you, I woke up every morning excited to go to work. One guy told me, you're crazy. I said, well, 
I like it. I enjoy it. Every day wasn't perfect. I had a lot of hard times too, but on balance, I had a great life and I felt like I was taking care of people. I was serving people. I, uh, I liked that. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> exposure is important. And uh, probably a lot of people know what they wish they were doing and they're not doing it because it's risky. Now they got a mortgage, you got two kids, they can't move, their mother in law lives in town, your wife won't move, you get stuck. And I tell people when you're young, be careful where you get stuck because you may be stuck there for the rest of your life. So until you find what you love to do, don't get married, don't have kids and <laughs> because they'll tie you down. It'll be hard to sell that house and move to another city and just try to figure out what you want to do, young people, before you get out there and uh, get stuck and then have to just bring the good life home every day for 40 years and wish you had done something else later. Which it sounds like, yeah. again, is the, the, the key to that before you get stuck <laughs> someplace yeah. that you don't want to be stuck is that exposure that we were just talking about. So that's uh, even, even if you're married, I'd say don't buy a house yet. Wait a few years. Rent. Make sure you're going to like your job. Make sure you're going to like that city. Make sure you're going to like your boss. Don't just rent. Rent. Get a couple two bedroom and you'll be fine. Your kids don't care. Kids don't care where they are as At long all. as their parents are with them. At all. They could care less where they live. Not, not in the in the slightest. Um, that's, Even if you move them, they'll adjust in ten days, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let me let me pull a couple of things together here. Um, first of all, let me actually be even before we do that. I just want to repeat one of the things that you said because I think it's infinitely valuable. And I, I, if I heard you say correct, I heard you say that. You know, if, if you are waking up and you're not excited, continuously not excited for going into work, then that's your, that's, that's your indication. You need to change your job. You need to change your life in that way. And the question I wanted to ask you about that is, was that, was that something that you've learned more recently or had read a realization about, or was that something that, uh, that came from some of those, you know, some of those other experiences or, or some combination of both. Well, I knew what I didn't want to do. I certainly didn't want to have a farm <laughs> and, uh, I wanted indoor plumbing <laughs> and an air conditioner. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to work in a lumber yard like I did or drive a delivery car like I did when I was in high school and college and work in the kitchen because I, you know, and later on, I didn't want to uh, be a waiter the rest of my life. I wanted to have to be home for dinner, and I knew all the things I didn't want to do. And uh, so slowly but surely, it opened my eyes that I liked what I was doing, and I was learning. And uh, I found out when I had a good attitude and I was disciplined and organized, people kept giving me more responsibility, and they liked that, and I got promoted. And I say, you know, I tell people, if you want to be successful – and there's 10 people doing what you're doing, you make sure you're the best one by far with your attitude, raise your hand, get in there, stay late if you have to, and next thing you know, you'll get promoted because most people are not trying very hard. And you'll stick out like a sore thumb instead of whining and complaining when the boss tells you to work Saturday and come in Sunday morning. And Yeah, forget that stuff. I told somebody the other day, she said, oh, I don't, I don't want to work. My boyfriend will be in town on Saturday. I said, we don't care about your boyfriend. <laughs> you know, you can see him after you get off. Come on. The bar you know? is infinitely low, is what I've yeah. discovered. So it's not well, if you, very hard. Yeah, to if you want to be off to go to your son's graduation, that's a different story. Sure, we're going to let you off. But not for when you're starting out in your career, you've really got to hustle. 
and you've got to make yourself stand out above everybody else. And I guarantee it's not very hard. So what are the what are some I heard you mention a few different ways that you can stand out, if you will. But what are some of the other ways that you think are uh, the most important? to stand out. I heard you say attitude. So I suspect that may be one of them, but what, what do you wow. mean by that? And what else would be the most important things to be able to stand out in a good way? I think the things that you got to think about when you're young and new is you got to look like you're somebody. And I think too many people take that too lightly. You know, I made sure that I took a good view at what the general manager of my hotel looked like, what he was wearing. I came in looking like I wanted to be a general manager. You know, I didn't come in looking like I just got out of bed and been in Georgetown all night at the discos. And then that's one thing. Look professional, act professional, uh, behave like the job you want to have one day, ask questions every single day. To Don't ever go home with a question that wasn't answered for you. Why do we do this? How do we do that? What is that? What is this? What's that food? What is that? What? Where's that? wine from can i taste it can you show me learn 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 and when you do that you will know more than anybody else and it'll be evident to your bosses be disciplined and organized learn how to organize yourself take a time management class read my book time management magic because if you're not reliable and credible and keep your promises you're not going to have a good career you're not going to have a good life actually and uh, somebody said, you know, and I put it in my book, if you don't spend a lot of time planning the life you want, you're going to spend a lot of time living the life you don't want. And uh, so those kinds of things, professionalism, uh, being cool, calm, and collected, not raising your voice, not using profanity, not telling inappropriate jokes, being a real pro, a real professional. And a lot of people get caught up in that. They come to work late. They go out and get drunk tonight and don't show up tomorrow morning. And, man, I was Mr. I was there. They said, Lee, you need to be to work at six this morning. I was there. And they said, you need to stay until midnight because we got we lost two waiters, didn't come in. And I said, no problem. And I, to me, when early in my career, it's no problem, baby. Because when you don't have a college degree, you better have a really good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and attitude will take you much further than your degree will, I guarantee you. Most people know they're technical, what they have to do. They go to school and they get experience. But most people don't get fired for that. They get fired because they got a lousy attitude and their behavior and how they treat people and how they speak to people and how they – those are the those are things that get you in trouble in life. People don't get a divorce over anything but how the husband treats the wife, what he says to her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you don't say I love you, she might leave. If you you apologize and you you learn from each you know argument you have, you don't do it again the next time. You get better and better and better. That's I always tell people that's reflection. Think about yesterday, what you didn't do as well. Next time you'll do it better, and then you're going to get better and better and better. Reflection. Most people don't reflect what happened yesterday. And uh, I reflect a lot how I could have done that better or what I could have said or what I could have said in one of my speeches that I forgot to say or and just whatever it is, uh, that's what I do. And I know that I get better by reflecting on how bad I was at something yesterday, that I could be so much better at it if I would pay more attention or had said the appropriate thing or done the appropriate thing or followed through like I told the person I would. All those things. So you build trust because if you, people don't trust you, you can't get anywhere in life, especially with your marriage. If your wife doesn't trust you, you're, you're <laughs> then gonna it's not, in, yeah, not going to go very be, well. Yeah, you're going to be living in a room above some store by yourself. And uh, so you got to really pay attention to this stuff. It's, not, it's about you. You got to behave yourself. It's not about them. Your kids don't cause problems. You do. Uh, 
you know, how you react and how you've set expectations and how you've disciplined them. And your wife doesn't cause problems. You come home stressful, you start having an argument when it's not, as my son said when he was 14, he said, Dad, when you come home, you ought to sit in the hot tub for 15 minutes. Everything was fine until you got here. And, uh, you know, that was a good lesson for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, take a deep breath and go in. You can make it better or worse. It's your decision. And uh, don't make it worse. And it's not it's not your wife's fault you had a bad day. And so, uh, yeah. So, so I heard you got to think more. Yeah, you just got to think. Use the old noggin and start thinking about your own actions and your own behaviors. So and be- your own insecurities, by the way. So tell me tell me about that. What do you... What, it's, Insecurity? Yeah, tell me about that because I just heard a whole bunch of stuff in there that, uh, well, and I've been taking notes as we go along here, and I'll rattle them off in a minute. But I'm curious uh, when you say think about your own insecurities and using your noggin for that. Talk to me okay, about what you mean. So by that. over my lifetime, I was pretty insecure from the way I grew up and experiences I had and family situation and kind of dysfunctional times. And so I grew up a very insecure person. Insecure people are the ones who yell at you. They raise their voice. They don't treat you very well. Insecure. Anytime somebody yells at you or tries to intimidate you, I guarantee you 100% that's an insecure person that has a lack of self-confidence. And uh, I slowly but surely worked my way out of that. I started going to classes, started learning about it. Started, I saw a psychologist to kind of deal with my insecurities and why I felt that way. And, and uh, I finally learned that when I get to work in the morning, I have the ability to make it better or worse when I get out of my car. And I start behaving, and I start, I'm nice to everybody. I don't raise my voice to anybody. I don't care what happened at home this morning or how I'm feeling. And when I get home at night, I used to come in and be stressed out and turn the TV on, have a glass of wine, and get in an argument with my wife over nothing. And now I come in, and I say, Darlene, I love you. Did you have a good day? And then I turn the TV on. (laughs) (laughs) And I listen to her. When she wants to talk to me, I turn the TV off. I've just learned these things don't work. You can't watch TV and listen to what happened today with your son or your daughter. You've got to put yourself in a position to uh, be present. And now I'm, I've learned those things, and I didn't know those. And I used to react because I'm a control freak because I was insecure. I didn't trust anybody. Somebody said the other day, love everybody and trust no one. That was me. <laughs> and now I, I'm able to give it up. I do trust people. And I, it made me a 10 times better leader over the last 20 years of my career than it was the first 20. And Because uh, when you're a control freak and you don't give people responsibility and authority and you don't trust them and you don't delegate, and people don't, they don't want to stay with you. Great people want those kinds of things, responsibility, authority. And uh, I had to learn that I was the problem, not them. And uh, that's what happens. Let me ask you about something because you, you sort of alluded it to it here. And, you know, we were talking about, hey, planning planning the life and the time that you want. And then you were also talking about your wife. And um, Jody Mayberry, who introduced us, had told me a story once um, I don't know. Maybe he told me about a uh, eight months ago or something along those lines. Ten months ago, I can't quite remember. Might have been longer than that. But told me a story about you and really about acting like the most important things in your life are the most important things in your life. And part of that story was about how when whenever Priscilla called, then you know you would you you would make the assumption that it was important, and you would take the call and step out of pretty much anything that you were doing. And that, uh, that kind of struck me to be quite honest. I thought that was phenomenal. And this was, this was back before I was in this business full time. So I started doing that 
incorporating that into my life and with really simple things. But if, if I say something is important and then I, then I better darn well act like it actually is. Um, especially starting with, uh, starting with my wife and starting with my family. And I got to be honest that, um, so first of all, I hope this is true. I'm assuming it is if Jerry, Jerry told me, but I, yeah. I want to get your take on, on it and you know, how, how you kind of arrived at that. And, uh, but I got to say thank you for it too, because it's made a profound impact on, on my life actually acting as though the things that are most important are in fact most important. Yeah, well, I think you got to know who you are and what is important to you. And my wife said to me once, uh, she'd called my office years ago when I was first starting out. Yeah. And they told her I, they told her I was in a meeting, and she said, uh, "I got home that night." She said, "Lee, who's more important than me?" And I said, "Nobody." She said, "Why don't you take my call?" And then from that day on, I told my secretary, my wife always put my call through if she wants to talk to me or my son. And uh, my boss, those are three people you can interrupt me for and uh, unless it's an emergency. And it just struck me that there is no more person more important than her. And uh, it's kind of like everything in life. Things that are important to me right now in my life, if you said, Lee, what do you focus on every day? I'd say, number one, I focus on me. Uh, I try to take care of my health, take care of myself because my wife said, Lee, take care of yourself so you can take care of us. You know, and I'm in yeah. perfect health. I mean, I weigh the same as I did when I got out of high school. I do strength training twice a week. I do exercise at 4 o'clock every day, and uh, I eat properly, and I weigh myself every morning, and I want to I be around. My grandkids are 21, 18, and 15 now. I want to go to their weddings. I want to get to know them. I feel better than most 30-year-olds, and I do that on purpose. The second thing I think about is my family. You know, and those kind of take care of yourself and take care of your family kind of go one, two together. They could both be number one. And last, I take care of my business. And then after that, if I have any time left over, then I can go play golf or help Kim Kardashian solve her problems <laughs> or the real housewives. But I don't waste time on things until I got the three or four priorities in my life underhand every day. And because I go tell you, if you got your health, you got your finances and you got your family together, you're going to have a pretty successful life and you can't let those get away from you. People sitting around playing Candy Crush and sitting on Facebook for three hours a day, that's really going to help your career and help your life and help your family. I don't think so. And uh, so I think most people have never sat down and can name the top three things they're going to do every day before they do anything else. And I do that every day and uh, because... Things will not work out unless you make them work out. You can sit around, hope, pray, and wish things work out. They won't. You got to do them. You got to do the hard things. You got to be honest with yourself. Uh, quit procrastinating on the hard. I tell everybody on your show, listen, take one hard thing and do it in the next two weeks. The hardest thing you could that you've been putting off, get it done. You're going to hate to do it to that night before you have to do it, and after you finish, you're going to feel like a million dollars. You need to get in the habit of doing the hard things, and then you won't have – a lot of things won't happen. If you take care of your health, you don't have to have bypass surgery. You don't have to buy a treadmill. You don't – you know, buy the treadmill before your surgery, not after. <laughs> and uh, these are things people don't – you know, you got to do things that won't pay off till later. I always tell people, if you quit smoking, it'll pay off later. If you exercise, it'll pay off later. Tell your wife you love her; it'll pay off now, tonight. If you, if you, uh, you know, if you take care of your retirement right now when you're young, it'll pay off 30 years down the road. You'll have a good life. And uh, think about aging parents, grandparents. Think about how you're going to take care of them now before they get dementia. And you can't deal with it legally. And just think about it. Your children. You take care of your children, spend time with your kids, and get involved with them, and take them on trips, and teach them the right from wrong. 
that's going to pay off for you big time down the road. Lee, this is this has been fantastic. I always get a ton out of uh, out of the times that we've been able to chat, and I uh, I've got just one more question, possibly the most important. So uh, before we hit the record button, you said, "Hey, when people read this, they're gonna they're gonna feel most sorry for Priscilla." So I'm curious what uh, what you meant by that. Well, Priscilla and I moved eleven times. I I dedicated this book to her. I did the last one too, but I dedicated. I said, you know, I dedicate this book to Priscilla, who's put up with me for forty eight years, as we moved eleven times looking for career magic, and then one day we found out it was right in front of us. It was our family, our health, and our happiness, and we'd been searching for it everywhere. But she's a good trooper. She went with me. We loved everywhere we lived. She moved 12 times with her dad, so she's moved 23 times. He was in the Navy. And we're just, uh, you know, if you got your family together, it doesn't really matter. You spend 90% of your time at home and at work anyway. And uh, you don't have as many friends as you think you will. Your family is who will be there for you when you have trouble. Maybe a friend or two, but you don't have too many. And uh, so that's how I think about it is, uh, yeah, that's uh, – you get and you learn these things as you get older. And what you ought to do is try to learn them before you get older. Learn them while you're younger. We'd have less divorces, less kids that are in rehab and on drugs and in prison and getting to court dates and flunking out of school. And you know, you talk about the most important leadership job in the world. It's the one you have, being a mom and dad. You fail with that one. That's sad. And uh, he, as my son told me, Dad, you can't fire me. You got to develop me. and you got to think about that just families that have dinner together two or three nights a week those kids get far less trouble they do far better in school just a few nights a week spending time at the table together talking about life and what's going on and the trip you're about to take and when you get back the great stories you're going to have about the trip you just took and yeah my grand, you know, my daughter-in-law even had picnic night on Thursday night it was picnic night when the kids were little they put a blanket on the floor and they had a picnic on the floor, but you had to watch French movies to improve your French. Mm, I love and so it. they agreed. They agreed. And so you could do Spanish movies, whatever you want them to learn. And the kids, by the way, in three months, they'll be speaking Spanish and you won't. <laughs> <laughs> so those, just think about the things you could be doing instead of getting in a rut and running around eating dinner at three different places and the kids going off to sleep and taking their phones with them and spending too much time on them and no family time. And uh, you got to really think about doing things on purpose. I guess that's what I would say more. I think most people are not thinking about what they're going to do on purpose next week, next month, next year and why they're doing it. Yeah. That is exactly what this show is about. So I, I so appreciate you coming on, uh, telling us stories and making things simple for me. I, every single time that we've chatted, I've been able to take something away. This, this time I think I have like seven or nine things to, to take away. So I, I really well, appreciate it. And I know just that. Just remember uh, though, yeah. simple is not, not easy. Simple is not easy. Agreed. Don't get those two things confused. Yeah. And, and I'll attest to that too. So, you know, I think some people could say, well, Lee, you had a, you had a secretary and you're, you know, the VP of this or that or whatever. So it was easy for you to be able to, uh, I don't know, say that, uh, you're putting your wife first in <laughs> when you're the boss, but I, I actually did that and put it in, put it to the test in a corporate environment. And I was not the VP and it was weird and it took some adjustment for both me and other people, but it was totally possible. Was it easy? No, no way. Not at all. Right. Not even remotely close. Not easy for me and not easy for the other people there either, but it was totally possible. 
Yeah. Well, schedule the priorities in your life and your calendar like today. My, this was in here at one o'clock. You keep your appointments and and uh, you know I run my business. I don't have a secretary now. I have a good website guy, a good yeah. accountant. I have a good uh, computer guy that works for me. I have a good all this stuff and. And I sked, I sent, fill out the contracts, send them to the clients. I do the invoicing. I keep track of the, the revenue and the expenses. And and you can do it if you're organized and if you focus, if that's one of the important things you want to do. And what's important is what you'll do. And if you don't do it, it's your fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> This, this is so true. Lee, I, I so appreciate uh, you making the time and taking the time here. And uh, go check out the book. And yeah. where, where are people going to be able to buy it besides Amazon? Any place yeah, else? Yeah, I think the best thing to look for anything you want from me, and a lot of it's free on my site, leecockrell.com. But it's already on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, it'll be in Barnes & Noble. Wherever you buy books, they usually carry it. And uh, my podcast, they ought to look at it. It's 15 minutes. It's free. And it's all about leadership management and customer service. It's called Creating Disney Magic. Now, if you're looking to get some help for your career, you can be able to check out our signature coaching program. We open this a couple times a year, and we are just opening it this week. Our signature coaching program is our custom high-end coaching program where you work one-on-one with one of our career coaches to work through your personal situation to be able to, first of all, identify the outcomes that you need And then we help you figure out the goals and actions you need to be able to reach those outcomes. And this program is four months of coaching, and you can be able to choose the frequency of the coaching, whether it's two, four, or six times a month. And if you register by this Friday, July 10th, you'll be able to get an extra month of coaching support for free. So if you want to find out if signature coaching is right for you, you can be able to schedule a time to be able to talk to Philip, who is our director of client success. You can be able to have a conversation with you and he'll help answer any questions that you have and also be able to see if signature coaching is the right fit for you. And if it's not, he's going to work with you to figure out what is the best way that you can be able to get the help that you need. So that you can be able to get on with your life, being able to make the right decisions so that you can have the life and the career that you want in your life. You can schedule a conversation by going to scheduleaconversation.com and you can be able to pick out a time to be able to talk with Philip. You want to be able to do that early so that the times don't fill up. He only has so much time in his schedule to be able to talk with people. So make sure to do that early. And we want to give you, as a podcast listener, an early opportunity to be able to do that. So check that out. Scheduleaconversation.com. And you can be able to schedule a conversation with Philip today. Now, in the next episode of Happen to Your Career, we're going to get the opportunity to be able to hear a conversation that Scott had with Greg McEwen, who is the author of Essentialism. And I am really looking forward to to being able to listen to that conversation. I know there's going to be a lot of great things that are going to be able to come from that conversation. So stay tuned next week when we come back on the Happen to Your Career podcast. 